from GreenBiz Group, welcome to this week's edition of 350. I'm Joel McCower here in Oakland, California. On this week's edition, we're celebrating International Women's Day this week, including our latest list of badass women taking on the climate crisis, eight more women leading the charge in sustainable finance, and why sustainability will be a breakthrough for women in leadership. It's the mother of all episodes, this week on 350. It's March 11th, 2022. Welcome to another edition of Green Biz 350. We're so glad to have you with us. Heather Clancy is off this week, literally doing a deep dive somewhere off the coast of Honduras. And sitting in is my good friend and new colleague, Green Biz Vice President and Senior Analyst for Sustainability, Dylan Siegler. Hey, Dylan. Welcome to Green Biz 350. Hey, Joel, this is a really exciting week for me. Not yeah. every week do I get to sit in our esteemed colleague Heather's chair. Uh, well, uh, you seem to uh, uh, be sitting there just quite comfortably, and I'm glad to have you here. And actually, I should say welcome back to Green Biz 350 because I, we've had you on as a guest a few times in the past. But why don't you start with a bit of an introduction, just because people who don't yet know you. Uh, people who were at Green Biz 22 uh, last month in Scottsdale saw you uh, as the host of the event, but talk a little bit about the path that led you to Green Biz. Absolutely. It has been a very exciting, let's see, two months and one week since I started at Green Biz officially. Uh, you know, as folks who attended Green Biz 22 or, or tuned into the live stream will know, I have been part of the field of sustainability for about 17 years. And so I come to GreenBiz with, I, I hope, some level of familiarity with what the work is, what it feels like to do this work in corporations and in other organizations, and a, a sense of what the, what the challenges are, what the opportunities are, what excites people. Um, so that should in an ideal world, fit, that should fit into what I what I bring to the field from this side of the house. So what kind of resources can we provide? What sort of offerings can GreenBiz um, bring to the table to support those folks doing the work? And so I, I got a lot of really great ideas from, from GreenBiz 22, and I'm ready to, to hit the ground running at this point. And GreenBiz 22 wasn't your first rodeo. Uh, you've been part of the GreenBiz family community for about, I think, around seven years. Uh, as a member of the Green Biz Executive Network when you were with the energy company NRG and then uh, uh, worked with you when you left there to go to Verizon to, to create the Verizon, uh, was it the Climate Prize or the Verizon, whatever? The Verizon Climate Resilience Prize. Climate yes. Resilience Prize. And then you left the cushy corporate world and joined us. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about, you, you sort of did, but a little bit more about what your remit is at Green Biz. Sure. The idea here is that we are seeing a, a massive expansion in a real moment 
in the, the evolution of the sustainability profession inside corporations and other organizations. And so we have the, the opportunity at GreenBiz to essentially advance what we believe to be the most important issue of our time, which is climate change, um, where we have the opportunity to advance climate action inside organizations by finding ways to speed and ease the work that our colleagues in corporations are doing. And so that could mean things like providing more and better of what GreenBiz has already done. Um, so the best-in-class editorial, the amazing events that we put on, the webcasts and the white papers and those sorts of things that, that GreenBiz has historically brought to the world and that I have been a major fangirl of through my career. Um, and then I think there's an opportunity for us to really meet the moment at GreenBiz by listening really hard to what the field needs and coming up with new ways to support those who are doing this work in corporations. So really excited to bring to bear some of my own experience to uh, connect people. GreenBiz has always been fantastic at building networks. So what are the new networks that we can that we can develop? One area that I'm really interested in touching is those who are new to the field. Um, they don't have to be young professionals. They can be mature in their careers, but there's a lot of individuals coming into organizational sustainability right now as the field expands who are really going to need the leg up from those of us who've done this before. So what are the specific resources? What are the specific offerings that GreenBiz can provide to those individuals. And so really excited about some of the stuff we have gotten in the works there. And it's not just the, uh, the emerging professionals, rising professionals in sustainability. It's the folks who are in sustainability now who have to, uh, who are watching this now get embedded throughout the, the company in fleets and facilities and energy and real estate and supply chain and procurement and marketing and, and finance and and HR and everything else, and they need a help in bringing uh, awareness, uh, understanding, literacy on some of these topics uh, that we deal with every day. You know, to the people who need to understand what is a carbon offset. How do you explain that to someone in finance or marketing or any of these other fields? You know, how do we think about uh, biodiversity? And you know, what does that have to do with you know my company, which makes automobiles? Uh, and, you know, things like that. I think that's a really interesting opportunity right now. As you say, this this field really, you know, is coming into its own and 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 we are all in in greater demand. And I think that's, you know, a, a, both a blessing and a curse, as we talked about uh, last month in, in Scottsdale. So that that's strikes me as a, as a whole nother opportunity. That's exactly right, Joel. And I heard what I think you heard at uh, at the event in Scottsdale, which is that we're really seeing an expansion of the kind of tentacles of sustainability into areas of corporations that we weren't seeing before. This is what we've been talking about happening for the last 20 years is that we, we won't be isolated sustainability professionals sitting in some, um, you know, far off <laughs> ivory tower will be, um, will be the just just the hub with lots and lots of spokes inside these companies. Um, and I think we're really getting to a place where where business is going to be able to capitalize on that and um, 
this this is it. This feels like a tipping point. So uh, you will be chairing and hosting and building the next year's uh, GreenVis 23 that's coming up in about 49 weeks. Uh, so <laughs> so to who's counting. Uh, so uh, what's going to happen in the meantime? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's, I think, up to me to, first of all, find ways to connect into the community and, and be that convener, those other 51 weeks of the year that we're not together in Scottsdale and really keep that momentum and that excitement up. And um, so I am, I, I'm still in the process of, of really reaching out to everybody that I know in the field to have them help me understand what they need. Um, that's been a really fun process. And I think what we're trying to do at GreenBiz is bring together all of the expertise of the analysts across subject matter. So that could be net zero, it could be energy, it could be Greenfin, um, and find a way to really direct that expertise where it needs to go to sustainability professionals who are in the space. So um, be really targeted about how that work gets done. And um, I have, I don't have to tell you, Joel, that we have an incredible stable of experts here at GreenBiz who I am learning just a huge amount from in terms of what, you know, what are the actual things? What are the, what are the facts? And again, um, I, I harp on this, but what are the truths that we need to get this work done? Yeah. And, and an amazing team here at GreenBiz, but an even amazing uh, community out there in GreenBiz world, uh, the folks who, who uh, are members of our executive network, the uh, hundreds of people, uh, over 1,000, 1,400 actually, who came to our GreenBiz uh, event in, a few weeks ago. And, and, and I think that's a, a very rich uh, load of insights, experience, talents, frustrations, successes to tap. And, and I know that uh, you're, you're already spending a lot of time talking with, with many of them. And so, well, Dylan, uh, couldn't be more excited to have you uh, on this team. Uh, you know that I've said that many times over the past uh, uh, several weeks that you've been with us. Uh, but uh, just it, it's really very exciting because not just having you there, but also really stepping into this moment uh, as, as a company to to really embrace uh, all that's needed in this moment to serve the community that that we all know and love and from which you came. So uh, welcome, and that's a great look ahead at, at, at Dylan and, and the world of GreenBiz, but let's take a step back and we can review. Well, Dylan, as you know well, it was International Women's Day on Tuesday this week, and um, uh, we, as we often do, uh, I think we always do now, uh, we, we, we take a look at the, the role of women uh, in, in the field of sustainability, starting with the piece, I think it's now the third annual uh, look, or fourth annual look, actually, by Heather Clancy, our editorial director, and uh, on uh, what she calls badass women shaping climate action. And she picked 25 of them uh, as, this year, as I think she did last year as well. Um, really interesting group of people. I'd love to hear your take on uh, what stood out for you here, uh, whether it's individually or uh, in, in aggregate. I love this franchise that our own Heather Clancy has curated. And I, I think one of the things that's so 
incredible about it is that it's really hard to generalize about these women and their accomplishments. There's a uniqueness. They come from privilege and not. They're highly educated at top institutions and not. And they come from all sectors and generations and countries and racial and ethnic backgrounds. So that was the first takeaway is, wow, what a list. And, um, you know, where did, where did this amazing variety come from? Um, so that was really exciting to me to see. Um, yeah, it is really impressive. And what, what always impresses me is um, uh, how many, uh, I think most of these uh, people I had never heard of. Uh, there's, a, there's maybe of the 25, maybe four, uh, five, and some several we've had on our stage, which is how we get to know them. But ha hats off to, to, to Heather and, and, and the larger team for sourcing these, for, for finding these and spending all year long looking and, and compiling a list. And what's really also very cool is that we start off with, you know, a list of 40 or 50 or 60 candidates to get down to these 25. And so, and, and each year it seems to get easier and easier. Um, uh, so that's, that's really exciting. And, you know, some of them would be, you know, obvious people working on climate, Jennifer Granholm, secretary of energy for these United States, um, uh, but um, not so much uh, Sonia Guadajara, who is the executive coordinator for the Association of Indigenous Peoples of Brazil. And, uh, you know, finding these uh, these activists uh, in, uh, you know, around the world, I think, is really very inspiring. Um, and then, you know, you, you go back to the corporate world of of uh, my friend Elisa Hammond, who's, who's uh, at Cliff Bar. And and a number of others who are uh, have been involved with this for a long, long time, and you know we like so many of our listeners are uh, aspire to diversity. And uh, again, hats off to to Heather for putting together an extraordinary uh, diverse list. As all as you were saying, Dylan, uh, not just you know from rich and poor and younger, younger and older and all that, but uh, certainly in the racial and ethnic uh, and global nature of this, uh, I, I really couldn't be more proud of what she has done here. And, and uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, did you have a, have a favorite uh, badass woman? Yeah, well, and I think that, uh, you know, Heather's list is testament to the fact that women across all of these groups are really making a difference. And I do have some favorites. I think before I get to my favorites, what struck me again is what unites them, what unites this list of badass women is their focus on leveling up the systems that they inherited. So we all know that, you know, women have made a ton of advances, but as an example, in the US, we still make 83 cents to every dollar that men make. Um, we're represented much less in the higher ranks. So there is a, a place that women are finding a way to succeed that was the only thing I could generalize about in this list. They're dedicated to this innovative way of thinking, and they're applying that thinking to wicked problems that maybe aren't always the shiny headline grabbers. So they're leveling up these systems that they didn't create, but they've got great ideas for how to fix so it interests me really that many of these women are revolutionary in their fields, but in a way that 
presents through analysis and logic and persistence in these alternative ways to see the world. And so an example of that, just to get to some of my favorites, would be um, CSO Ashley Allen of Oatly. So plant-based milks, not a place that we're always looking for the most attention-grabbing innovations, but under her leadership, the company is reducing the water that's required to produce oat milk significantly. They're looking at programs that help shift market signals for oat producers. They're finding ways to innovate and improve on the model to level up on the system of oat milk. So it's, you know, these are not, um, you know, it doesn't have to be that you're, you've invented a new way to go to the moon. Um, it's about really finding those incremental changes that make a huge difference inside an existing system. Um, another example of that would be um, Doreen Shanaz, who's the founder and CEO of the Impact Investment Exchange. So she's really focused on shrinking the $300 billion financing gap for women across the globe. So this is another example of kind of slow, hard work that focuses again, on a system that hasn't always lifted up women. So really, uh, really excited to see all of that. Um, and I will add one more thing. Another thought is I would like to learn more about women that are doing climate work from outside of roles that are explicitly about sustainability. One on this list is Jessica Tan, and she's head of corporate strategy at BlackRock. I hope that women doing work that is um, inside other functions of government and of business become a bigger part of the story that we get to tell next year. Yeah. And I love the the young and upcoming and, and already, uh, in some cases, veterans uh, of, of, of sustainability and other movements. And uh, Shia Bastida, co-founder of Re-Earth Initiative, who we've had uh, at, at our Verge conference at least once, if not twice, um, uh, she's uh, a veteran of activism, and and she's only 19. So when she was 15, she made her debut on the world stage when she stood in for her father at the World Urban Forum in Malaysia and made a speech about sustainable development that drew from her own story, uh, her own childhood, and uh, you know, particularly when a university made a, a attempt to build a wetland in her community and the and the the uh, activism that that she found in herself that came from that. And now she's uh, since then has addressed uh, uh, President Biden's Climate Leaders Summit and COP26 and is seen as a uh, one of those uh, young, uh, amazing activists not named Greta uh, on the world stage. So again, I really encourage everyone to check this out. But Let's move to, we actually did not one, but two stories along this line. The second came from our colleague, Grant Harrison, who is a green finance and ESG analyst, and he picked eight women shaping the future of finance and ESG. Um, and uh, uh, you already mentioned Jessica Tan, who was on the, the badass women list, but also Jennifer Grancio, who's the CEO of Engine Number no. One. That's the uh, a relatively new launched at the end of 2020 investment firm that uh, led a successful campaign to place independent board directors on ExxonMobil's board. Uh, and um, she came to uh, engine number one from BlackRock, uh, where she led uh, was a founding member of their iShares business. And uh, and so comes with the, uh, you know, as an investment professional, uh, but, you know, understanding 
what she wants to do around creating long-term value and what she calls bringing common sense back to capitalism. Wow, that's uh, interesting framing there, uh, but much needed. I think most of us or many of us can agree. And so uh, the fact that she's now leading this firm that is truly making waves in the investment world, I think was just uh, really stood out for me. But there's seven others, uh, and again, pulled down from a list of many more than that that Grant pulled together for uh, for the, for his uh, Greenfin Weekly newsletter and, and also published on, on the website. Uh, any of these, uh, Dylan, that, that stood out for you? Once again, I was struck by the, this was a little bit more what I was trying to, to pull out of our uh, badass women list was people who are doing work in this space, who are coming from a place that doesn't have sustainability or impact in the title. So uh, I was interested by Chris Hagler. She's a partner at Independence Point Advisors, and she comes from an ESG background and has, has worked in ESG uh, for more than a decade, but she's coming to Independence Point to essentially embed really tacitly all of what she knows from her um, from her work in ESG in a space where she doesn't have to actually have sustainability or impact in her title. So that was that was a real takeaway from me. And I, you know, I, I think overall this list is an amazing kind of overlap, a good Venn diagram with our 25 badass women list because we see finance as such an opportunity. Changing capitalism is nobody's idea of an easy ride. And so the fact that this is happening so quickly and um, and really led by women is is something that is it's a it's a quiet revolution. Yeah. And still that glass ceiling remains intact. Uh, Grant points out in his piece that the McKinsey uh, found that while women have a slight edge at the entry level, uh, this is particularly in, in finance, uh, comprising 52% of the industry workforce, representation falls off as, as you climb up the corporate ladder with especially steep drop for women of color from between entry level to the C-suite, the representation of women of color falls by 80%. Uh, so and then in some areas like venture capital, where it's 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 still heavily male, uh, it's it's still got a long way to go. And the, there's been this long talked about growth of women in v, in the VC world. And that seems to not yet have materialized, uh, at least to the extent that, you know, it needs to be on, on an equal footing. But again, uh, this is another great list. And if you if you just if you want to be inspired this week or next week or any time, a dip into these these two stories. They really are inspiring in, in, in so many different ways. But that brings us to the third story by Francois Austin, who's the uh, head of energy practice at the consulting firm Oliver Wyman. And uh, it talks about uh, why sustainability will be breakthrough for women in leadership. And it brings up, uh, and I guess his, his main point is that women are advancing in sustainability at a much faster rate than in other business areas. And that uh, and and we'll, this will play out and we'll see in the state of the profession report that our colleague John Davies will have coming out in, I believe, in uh, in April or May uh, this year, um, based on a survey that he does every two years on sustainability professionals around the world. And uh, it breaks it down in a number of, of geodemographic ways and, and, and other factors. 
But uh, Francois writes here that uh, female representation in chief sustainability officer roles in the United States rose to 54 percent from uh, in, in 2021 from just 28 percent a decade earlier. Uh, and he says, uh, in part, we can put this down to women's behavior as consumers and investors, showing that they are, on average, more concerned about climate change than men. And he uh, cites some research around that. But this brings up, for me, an interesting question, Dylan, and I'd love to get your take on it. And I'm, I'm trying to be delicate here and avoid stepping in it, as I often do. But I think there's a case to be made, and I've heard people make this, uh, that women are uh, better suited for sustainability uh, roles uh, than men, just by virtue of, of maybe it's stereotypical, but natural innate abilities of building bridges and communicating and uh, maybe thinking uh, a little more holistically or, or having a little bit more heart in, in the work. I don't know. Again, I, I want to be tread, tread delicately here, but I'm wondering, if, what, what do you think of that theory? I think that women do have unique capabilities, and I don't think it's necessarily innate. I would chalk it up to the need for exceptional women to become exceptional in all parts of their lives. And so all the exceptional women I know um, have gotten to the, the advanced parts of their careers and, and to be leaders in their families and, and leaders in their communities, because they're able to, as Francois says, really think about all of these different things all at once. So he says, CSOs play a vital role in rethinking operations, strategy, culture, leadership, connected to all parts of the business. And I think it's that women are often asked to be able to juggle all of these things at once and to be able to be everything. And so we learn from a very early age that uh, that's the way to succeed. And so if that makes us uniquely suited to be a CSO, I think the logical next step is CSOs are uniquely then qualified to take on all other parts of leadership. So I would probably stay away from calling it innate, but I do think that there's a, a real, uh, there's a, there is a, a real generalization that we could make about women being able to see the whole field. So I think that's really important. Um, I, you know, I always joke about my favorite sign that I saw at the 2016 uh, March on Women's March on Washington, which was my arms are tired from holding this sign since the 70s. Um, so <laughs> we've been, you know, we've been harping on the same issues of women's representation in, in business and in leadership for way longer than even that. <laughs> and so um, I think we're starting to see more women, as Francois says, make their way into elements of leadership that are not simply related to sustainability, but doing so through that sustainability pathway. And um, that's just one more way to, to make cracks in that glass ceiling. So if women truly are more than 50% of the field, should we even be celebrating? And I know this is, I'm going to step in it one more time. Should we even be celebrating women or you know, in sustainability the way we're doing this? Or, or is that somehow uh, uh, 
less necessary or appropriate these days. I would say we should be celebrating women and sustainability every day. Um, But I think um, something that I saw across social media on Tuesday was a call from women and from others to get away from celebrating and get into paying and promoting and advancing. And um, really, you know, where the rubber meets the road is that it's not about highlighting the seven women that you have in your management ranks. It's about making those true changes to the way the system functions for women. Um, and that might be about something like providing childcare, but it might really be something as simple as looking at your gender pay gap. Um, I don't know if anyone listening happened to see the uh, Twitter account at PayGap app uh, pop up. It's a bot, actually, a Twitter bot that was created by a couple in the UK. And their Twitter motive is, if you tweet about International Women's Day, we'll retweet your gender pay gap. And so um, using UK publicly available data, um, they called out any company that put forward marketing uh, in favor of International Women's Day. So that sort of celebratory mood ended up um, engendering some real call-outs. Um, and then those some of those companies took the move of blocking and some of the blocking the account and some of those employers actually came through and gave some context around what they had put out in terms of comms, which I thought was a really interesting um, and and complex response. Well, I think that really points up the work we all still need to do. And uh, and and Buttress is your comment uh, that we we do need to continue to uh, celebrate uh, women in sustainability and probably every other field all year long. And and we'll continue to do that. And before we wrap up this this segment, uh, I want to give a shout out to the badass women of Green Biz. We have an extraordinary group of women of which Dylan, you are absolutely one of them. Uh, at every level of the company that really uh, making change happen and becoming leaders uh, and showing demonstrating their leadership skills, uh, we would not be anywhere close to where we are without uh, that. And I just don't mean them as, as the fact that the women that they bring uh, the, the kinds of sensibilities and and uh, mindsets that uh, that we need uh, that may be different from those of us of the male persuasion, and so it's uh, it's truly a gift. I really want to. I really appreciate them every single day. It's a fantastic group of women. And that's our 350 podcast for this week. As always, go to greenbiz.com slash 350 to find more about the organizations, stories, and events we mentioned this week. And while you're over there, check out our free weekly newsletters. We've got seven of them. They're a great way to stay up to date all week long. Just go to greenbiz.com slash newsletters to sign up. We welcome your comments, your questions, and tips. Just hit us up at 350 at greenbiz.com. Thanks to Dylan Siegler for co-hosting this week. Heather and I will be back next week, diving in with another edition of Green Biz 350. Until then, from all of us here at Green Biz Group, I'm Joel McCower. We'll see you next time. 